Hi! Welcome to Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the Word. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 13, verse 5. I've read these scriptures to you before, and I'm just going to re-echo it again, based on what the Lord will have me teach this morning. It says, examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. A whole bunch of us come to church, but we are not in faith. A whole bunch of us claims, claim to be Christians, but we are not in faith. In the course of my teaching, you understand what it means to be in faith. It says, examine yourself. You don't need somebody to tell you. You don't need a pastor to preach it to you. This is the scripture. A template that has been presented before you. That you examine yourself. An examination is always not going to be pleasing. But if you are after a good remark, you will put yourself to that class to take the test. If you understand that it takes a test to get promoted, then you would value your time in that class. It says examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. He said test yourself. Now this is not talking about trials and temptation. This is talking about putting the precepts of your salvation together and before you and asking yourself if you are in line with the pattern that you claim to have embraced. He said, do you not realize that Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus is in you? But when you fail the test, it's evident that the same Christ you claim you are professed is not in you. I want to read it to you from the message translation as I have it here. He said, test yourself to make sure that you are solid in the faith. I've taught you before in this house that there are three states of matter. We have the liquid, the gaseous, and the solid. You know that if you did physics. The one with most component is the solid one. And the one that is easily destructible is the solid one. Liquid can be contained. Gas, gaseous, can still be contained. But a solid content, a solid component, once it's broken into pieces, it takes a whole lot to bring it back together. He said, test yourself to see, to make sure that you're solid in the faith. He said, don't drift along, taking everything for granted. And that's what we find in church. People come out for altar call. People think they spend so much time in church and Christianity now looks like a culture. He says, don't, he said, give yourself to regular checkups. We had the men conference some, uh, I think a week or two ago. And this, um, uh, will I call him a therapist or an health practitioner? Let's put it that way, a doctor came and said, by default, a healthy person should go for checkup twice a year. Now, if you know that your health is so imbalanced, twice a year will not work for you. More than likely, you would go every month. 
an old age woman that checks her blood pressure almost every evening after she has taken solid food. And this was somebody I grew up with understanding and seeing her having so much uh, joy for Amala. If, when she's taking Amala, she's joyful. You can ask my grandmother for anything when she's taking Amala. She'll give it to you. She's joyful. She likes that food. But now I realize that not that she's not still taking the Amala, but she's not taking it as much as she used to take it then. So I see her just take two or three small ones and put it in the mouth and she's filled up. And I'm asking her, I say, this is the Amala eating. She's like, no, that her body cannot take it the way he used to take it. Find a very strong Igbo man who is really hungry. There's a way they grab swallow. Toss it up. And they're taking it like a ball. An old age person cannot try. Because every time she takes something super heavy, I never forget the day I went with that to the house with Shawama and I gave it to her. They had to check her blood pressure twice. Why? Because it was like the Sharma went in and was messing up. Not, this was not diarrhea. It was messing up with digestion. She could, it could not just digest. And some of us, if you're just like me, I can hit laying down on the floor. But she has to sit upright. She has to drink enough water so that the food can go down. And she has to sit up for at most three, four hours to ensure that the food has digested. So someone like that will always, you always have to check her BP every evening. Because if it is high, it's danger. It says, examine yourself to see whether you're afraid. Give me back the message translation. The message translation, please. Message translation. It says, give yourself to regular checkup. So the regularity of your checkup is based on the depth of your faith. So if I understand that I'm holding age, I'm checking myself almost every day. If I understand that I'm very young and vibrant, I can do regular checkups like maybe once or twice a year. When I used to be asthmatic, I literally went to UCH almost every two weeks for checkup. Because they just had to check if my lungs was cleared. Almost every two weeks. Whether there's an attack or there is no attack. You just have to go. Why? Because you can't just afford a little dent on that loss. He said you need first-hand evidence, not mere essay. I said it before during one of our home trainings, and I'm sure it was an amazing thing uh, for some of the workforce that were around. And I said to them, I said that you, your prayers are answered. does not mean that God is with you. Can you hear me this morning? That your what? That your prayers are being answered does not mean that God is with you. By default, there are some things that will happen in your life. Whether you pray about it or you don't pray. By default. By default. By default. By default. It's only a wicked man that prays for sleep. It's only an evil man that prays for sleep. By default, when you've overworked your body, what happens? So if you are praying for sleep, you are wicked. There are some evil that you do. So I put it to you again. That your prayers are being answered. That you are seeing certain breakthroughs does not mean that Christ is with you. Because he's telling you here 
that you need first-hand evidence. First-hand evidence is not answered prayer. First-hand evidence is there is a manifestation and there's an encounter of God's word that you are exposed to. He said, test it out that Jesus Christ is in you. He said, if you fail the test, he's not asking you to kill or condemn yourself. He said, do something about it. What did he say? Do something about it. If, you're, if you fail the test. The most unhealthy ground, unhealthy ground for a believer is where their faith is formless and empty. So I put it to you this morning that there is formless faith and there is an empty faith. A formless faith tells the life of a believer in the realms of the spirit. A formless and empty faith tells how lifeless a believer can be in the realms of the spirit. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 2. I want to show you something. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Is somebody in the media there? Genesis 1 verse 2. Verse 2, verse 2. You need to hear me clearly. Genesis 1, verse 2. And now the heart was formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. The heart was formless and what? The heart was formless and empty. And the next thing you see over the surface of the deep is darkness. And the spirit of the Lord is left with all the things down to over, over the waters. If the heart can be formless and empty, then a believer can be formless and empty. Because the heart was created by the Lord. A believer can be what? Can be formless and empty. Write this down. There are two things that takes place in the life of a formless and an empty believer. His surface is filled with darkness. His surface. We talks about exposure. We talks about his engagement. Everything he engages with is filled with darkness. That's where there's a scripture that says you need to check. You need to confirm the light that you claim to have professed. Number two is virtues, is what? Is capacity, is possibilities. They lack power and love. So one of the things that is expected to be seen in the life of a believer is that the faith you profess must come with power and must be demonstrated in love. If the faith you claim to have professed does not come forth in power and cannot be expressed in love, there is something that is missing. So I put it to you again that if the hurt at creation can be formless and empty, then a believer can be formless and empty. So you would think you have faith, but the faith as we talk about is a container, but it's empty.
That's where you hear the headache that says an empty barrel makes the loudest noise. We have a whole bunch of believers making the loudest noise, but their faith is empty. Christ is even encouraging you at some point in the scripture that you should have a little faith. Why? Because faith is a container. Faith is a container. So there's a possibility that yes, you've received this faith, but it's empty. When there is no depth of God's word, a believer will experience a formless faith. So your faith can be described. Your faith has no effect. Your faith can't even move mountains. Talk less of tossing it into the sea. Your faith can't birth results. There is nothing simply around you that justifies that you belong to Christ. But yet you go all about professing that I'm his. I'm yours. Recently I was on Facebook and I saw somebody's post and the person said that she no longer wants to sing Dose Oyekon song. And not, not, not that she was condemning Dose Oyekon. You need to read the whole story. And she said, the reason why she doesn't like singing a song is that a song brings upon her a challenge. You can't be going through trials, difficult moments, and the song that comes out of you says, I'll be here worshiping in the midst of trials. Let me say this in church loud and clear. Trials are great. Are you following me this morning? Trials as what? That's great. Your own trials is just like you're giving for money to pay your rent. That, that's, that's very simple. Sometimes when I hear people saying they're having rent issues, I laugh. Why? Because you came out of a family. So if they kick you out of that house, there's a family house. It's the honest truth. It's the honest truth. The only reason why you don't want to go to family house is pride. It's pride, to be honest with you. It's just pride. Because the family house is always big. Okay, pastor, there's no family house. There's no family house anywhere. Everybody in the family is under rent. You have friends. If your friends cannot accommodate you, it tells how bad you are of a friend. Now, if your church too cannot accommodate you, of course, you are not even a member. Every other person rejects you. There's a prayer mountain willing to accept you. So she said I will, I, that she can't find herself singing these songs. Why? Because it imposes upon her a challenge. And I need some of you to go back home and check the lyrics of certain songs by certain minister. You realize that you are not even being faithful with the things you say. When there is no depth of God's word, when God's word cannot find a good landing in your life, your faith will be formless. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Romans 10 verse 17. Romans 10 verse 17. Can we have that on the screen? Romans 10 verse 17. I trust that media is with me this morning. Romans 10 verse 17. 
very popular scripture. He says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. Faith comes from hearing the message. Faith comes from hearing the word. And this message is heard through the word about Christ. So every time you are hearing the word, you are building your faith. And empty faith is like a dry ground. Any kind of thing can toss on it. But the more you are hearing his word, the more his word has a good landing in your spirit. And this is, this is one thing you need to understand in church. God's word is not supposed to land in your head. It's not supposed to land in your hands. God's word takes his settlement in your spirit. So the only way my faith is being built, the only way my faith has a shape, the only way my faith is relevant, the only way my faith comes to life is when I position myself to the hearing of God's word. Get me right this morning. Reading the Bible could be a little bit of challenge. But never let the word of God become a burden to you. Because there's a possibility you might not have a good reading span. But I have not heard of anybody that has a deficiency in hearing. Because what you pay attention to, what you hear, is what forms you. So I build my faith. I give my faith a shape. I give my faith a meaning. I give my faith life every time. I get engaged with God's word. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. I want to show you something. Show you something. Whoever is behind this screen needs to be as fast as possible. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Now see what it says. It says fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on what? On Jesus. The pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. So there's a possibility that if you're not listening, your faith is not being made perfect. It pioneers your faith when you receive them. But the more you engage with him, he perfects the faith. You need to see how joyful when somebody buys a piece of land. Always very interesting. The person is excited. The person has all kinds of flashy pictures going through their mind. But the real joy is not even in the buying of land. The real joy is when there's a building on that land. You never find anybody doing a party that he just bought some acres of land. Have you found one before? No. But let them build on it. Nobody even wants to take you to their site at foundation level. Because as a tendency, you distract them. Nobody wants to take you when they are bringing the plants, the sand, the stones. No, no. Nobody really. In fact, that, that's what they call codages. Nobody tells you that. Oh, they are bringing the roof tomorrow. Follow me. Let's go and see how they are bringing the roof. Nobody wants to show you that. 
But when the building is erected, solid, that's what he talks about. He says, the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the first time you fixed your eyes on him, he pounded a faith inside you. Now, the more you are fixing your eyes on him, he's perfecting your what? Your faith. Somebody say faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Fixing your eyes on Jesus brings about a consciousness of life. You see that on the people of Israel, going through the torment of the snake. And he said to them, he said, make a carving image. He said, keep looking at it. The more they were looking at it, not that the snake was not biting them, but they were seeing life. So every time you fix your eyes on Jesus, there is a consciousness of the life of God that is in you. Somebody say amen. Now, perfecting our faith is an improvement on our character. Perfecting our faith, it ignites an improvement on your spiritual character. A sincere engagement with everything that the word of God talks about. A sincere engagement with instructions from the place of worship. So let me say to you this morning that your spiritual character tells your status in the realms of the spirit. Your spiritual character, it tells your what? Your status in the realms of the spirit. This is one phase of life that most of us don't like to talk about. Because everybody keeps going about saying they're professing the faith. But one of the things that the faith checkmates on you is your spiritual character. And time will not permit me to dwell so much on that. But the perfecting of your faith is for your spiritual character. If you're upholding something that speaks of eternity, then the value must be expressed. Character reflects your personality, your possibilities, your qualities, your properties, your identities. Character talks about the spirit of a man. The spirit of a man is in his character. And sometimes people find this thing is very insulting, but it's really not. When your world has an issue with your character and your, your faith is fake. When your world has an issue with your character, then your faith is fake. There was one time I was reading something. I, I, I just hope I get it right. Um, I think the thing said, anointing without the right attitude leads to annoyance. Something like that. And a whole bunch of we Christians don't like to hear these things. We really don't like to hear I don't want it to sound as though I came for somebody this morning. Listen, no matter all that you claim or that you think you carry, if you don't have the right character balance, you're a joke. You're a joke. Pastor, I have the gift of God in me. I've been called and ordained a prophet. I don't need that introduction. Your character tells it. Your character tells it. God, that tells it. 
your character is misleading, your faith is imbalanced. Did you hear what I just said this morning? If your character is misleading, your faith is imbalanced. The character of our faith is a big deal. And the character of our faith is our spiritual temperature. Follow me closely. The character of our faith is our what? Our spiritual temperature. Revelations 3 verse 15 to 16. Revelations 3. Let me show you something. Revelations 3 verse 15 to 16. I love you can put that on the screen. Revelations chapter 3 from verse 15. Revelations 3 from verse 15 to 16. I think I'm going to repeat one more time. Whoever is behind that screen needs to be awake. Revelations chapter 3 verse 15 to 16. Can you say it in your Bible? While media get themselves together. He says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. He says, I know your deeds. I know your works. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were hider. If you're a cold Christian, let's know you're a cold Christian. If you're a hot Christian, let's know you're a hot Christian. The two modes of temperature has value, but one is much more effective. The two modes has value. The two modes have value. If you want to be a music minister that just brings joy to people's home, more than likely you're cold. Because all you're concerned about is joyful atmosphere. But if you're concerned about bringing a revival to a city, what does that tell us? The truth, the, the, the truth has its own benefit. It's lack of understanding that makes people run after one temperature and in the midst of running after one temperature, there's an imbalance. It says, I wish you are either one or the other. Verse 16. Verse 16. So because you're lukewarm in between, neither hot nor cold. What did he say? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I put it to you this morning and I'm saying this under God. Appearance is not Christianity. Hear me loud and clear. Appearance is not what? Christianity is commitment to a divine cause. And if you walk around the four walls of the churches that you can think of, the first things you will pick out in Christians is appearance. Appearance. There's a way a prophet appears. There's a way a priest appears. There's a way a music minister appears. There's a way a pastor appears. There's a way a fire-branded brother appears. Appearance is not Christianity. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Understanding the demands of this faith helps you to be intentional about your works. Understanding the demands. Take him back to 15. Take me back to 15. Revelation 3 verse 15. 
Revelation 3 verse 15. Let's, have, let's go back to 15. He says, I know your deeds. That life, if it doesn't touch you, I don't know what else will. I know your deeds. Because we all could come to church and fake it. He knows. Everybody, somebody, come to church trying to fake it. He knows. You man this poopy, you're given a platform to express what you need to express. He knows. If you understand the intentions of some people's acts to worship, you will not join them. Are you following me this morning? He says, I know your deeds. The man by your side might not know it. The man by your side might not know it. He says, I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. And one of the easiest things to do in the sight of many Christians is to fake it. My pastor in Houston will always say that if you're looking for actors and actress, come to church. Titus chapter 1 verse 16. Titus 1 verse 16. Titus chapter 1 verse 16. Are you getting something this morning? Are you getting something this morning? Titus 1 verse 16. Titus 1 verse 16. They claim they know God. Let's see if they can put that on the screen. Verse 16. They claim they know God. But by their actions, they deny him. They claim they know God. But by their actions, they do what? They deny him. They are detestable. It's easier to lead others to obey the God you claim to believe. But it's a challenge for you to do the same. One of my brothers in the faith was saying something. He said it's easier to lead people to pray than for you to pray. Very easy. I can lead people to pray for an hour. I can lead people to pray for two hours. But the question is that you're really a prayerful person is not in the sight of men, but is in your secret place. He says they claim many times we do many things claiming that you know God. I believe I'm preaching to somebody this morning. But their actions, your actions could be private or public, but your actions deny him. Your actions deny him. And let me help somebody this morning. Your actions are not always what you dramatize. Your actions starts from your thoughts. Your actions are not all that you dramatize. It's not until people see that you are really not a child of God. Your thoughts justifies you as well. So it's easier to preach. What can you be preached to? Talking to somebody this morning. It's easier to preach. What can you be preached to? 
It's easier to lead people to worship. But can you worship? Christ, but can you be the Christ people are looking for? It says they are detestable, disobedient. Now, this looks like a very big insult on anybody. What did he say? He said, unfit for doing what? Unfit. Spirituality is not self-righteousness. Did you hear me this morning? Spirituality is what? Is not self-righteousness. Spirituality is actually pointless when the truth is missing. The truth must reflect in what you do. The truth must reflect in what you say. The truth must reflect in how you think. The truth must reflect in your ways. The truth must reflect in the expressive part of your life. So when you're genuinely broken, it speaks louder than spirituality. When you are genuinely broken, Brokenness means there is nothing they can do to you. You are standing with Christ. Brokenness means that there is no circumstances that can change the system you have believed from God's word. And I'm putting to you this morning. I'm putting to you this morning. That is high time we stop that game of spirituality. Your spirituality does no good to anybody. It makes people come to a very funny conclusion that God can be mocked. As a part of the scripture, if I have the time, I'll show you. He said there is a big distance between their words and their ways. There's a big distance between their words and their what? And their ways. Stop claiming you know God and doing the otherwise. Did you hear what I just said this morning? Stop claiming that you know God and doing what? Doing the otherwise. It's, it, 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 it's a very easy drama to hack down to. Lift up your holy hands to the heavens. Within you, you know you're not justified. Are you following me this morning? So I'll put it to you again. I want to re-echo these things to you because I'm going somewhere. Appearance is not Christianity. I was watching a video yesterday while I was uh, preparing. And um, this video talks about the four things that changed the prayer life of the general overseer of Mountain of Fire, Dr. Dikyo Lukoya. Four things that changed his prayer life. And what, what, what did this man say? This man said he, he, they were standing in front of the cathedral, the church, and it was part of the choir. And uh, 
once they see an elder statement or maybe a deacon or an elder in church, they allow that elder to lead the prayers before the procession. Procession is, is like an hymn. If you've been to Anglican Church or Methodist, it's like an hymn that you sing into the, congrega- into the, uh, uh, the auditorium. Um, I, I believe they still do it. So this elderly man came out from the car and this man was assumed to be like an elder. They called him Babaijo. And this man came out, came out of the car. And we're like, oh, Baba, since you are here, be the one to lead us in that prayer. And Baba was like, oh, not a big deal. Let this person take the prayer. Now, this person is supposed to be the leader of the choir. So as the leader was to start the prayer, the next thing the Baba said was keep quiet. And they were shocked. And we are praying. You say somebody should keep quiet. You are the same person that said this person should pray. And the next thing that came out of the Baba is that why are you praying with tortoise in your heart? And they all looked in amazement. Tortoise. Now, if the choir leader could not deny that he was in possession of tortoise, he tells that that Christian dawn is not even safe for everybody that is there. Because if all the choir cannot see tortoise, and the Baba saw tortoise. More than likely, it's only darkness that begot lightness. Darkness and light begot light. So more than likely, this is what Dikyo Lukoya said. He said, both the Baba and the choir leader. We have a whole bunch coming to church claiming that they know God. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? But your actions, you deny. Lack of spiritual commitment is dangerous to the salvation that you claim to have received. Lack of spiritual commitment. I've said it before in this house and I'll say it again so that it can help somebody's understanding. If they took a blood covenant to register you into Christ Jesus, you would take this salvation seriously. They took your blood from the day you were born and place your blood into a calabash and say now you are a Christian you will take this salvation very seriously lack of spiritual commitment nothing that you can hold on to that you are spiritually committed to affects the salvation is dangerous to the salvation that you claim to have received very dangerous Because one of the things you need to understand about the faith that you've embraced is that your faith is expected to be effective and reflective. Effective and reflective. Your faith. If your faith is not effective, you probably don't have. If your faith is not reflective, more than likely you're joking with it. The same scripture we read, Revelations 3, verse 15 to 16. That was God's message, the angel's message to the church. They were professing a different appearance to the people. But Christ looking at them and said, this is not you. Sweating in the place of prayer does not equate to tiring in the place of prayer. Oh, pastor, you need to see the way I was sweating for two hours. Does not mean that you tarried in the place of prayer. 
So you find the word lukewarmness used in Revelations. And it, it, it tells you a whole lot. Why will the Bible use the word lukewarmness in Revelations 3 verse 15 to 16? Because zealousness is the key to flourishing in this kingdom. If you're not zealous in this kingdom, you don't belong here. If you're not zealous, you don't belong here. And the sad part is that many of us exercise the speed of zealousness in other affairs that does not grant you eternal life. And does not ignite your spiritual growth. Zealousness is the key to flourishing in what? In this kingdom. The health of your faith is in your works. The health of your faith is in your what? The beauty of your faith is in what you do. God hates unfruitfulness and stagnation. Take that word from me this morning. If you are unfruitful, he cuts you off. He says a tree that will not bear forth fruit. What does he say? He says my father brings it down. That's about unfruitfulness. Now, if you're stagnant, it passes you by. And that's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the big challenge we have in church. Sincerely. That you minister once and the power of God was all over the room does not mean that you should stop there. It's not mean you should stop there. Many of us have dying potentials on the inside of us. Why? Because something still tells you that it's still there. God eats it when you're stagnant. He eats it when you are unfruitful. That is a part of you as regards this faith that is supposed to be a fruit. Either, either season or whatever you can think about it. And bearing of fruits is based on your capacity. Did you hear what I just said? It's based on what? Your capacity. Complacency is faith that is decorated with evil. To be complacent in this faith is decorating your faith with evil. Lukewarmness is displeasure to God. He wants you to be productive. He wants you to be effective. He wants you to reflect the life of God that you claim you have. I put it to you this morning that lukewarmness is deceptive and is very dangerous to the church. It's as though as leading people astray. A lukewarm Christian is a bomb in the church that is about to explode. Very tiny. Very deceptive. Very deceptive. Five people like that. 
We just go about the title. Relying on the testimony of yesterday. As much as I love that song, the God of 1930, then we need to ask ourselves a question. What year are we? 2023. Where's the God of 2023? So it tells you that what God did in 1930 till now, we have not experienced it. That's the truth. Because the man they talked about in 1930 is dead. I love that song. Don't say, oh, pastor is condemning a song this morning. No. But what happened to the God of, okay, let's not even do 2023 because it's not yet over. Where's the God of 2022? Now the challenge is that the challenge is not that God does not want to do, but the people are not willing. That's why there's a part of the scripture. It says the word is eagerly awaiting the manifestations of what? Of the sons of God. And we claim we are sons, but we are not yet manifesting. Your faith is deceptive. Talking to you, I'm talking to myself. Our faith is deceptive. Some of us might not even know that we've been spat out a long time ago. Am I talking to you this morning? You might not know. You might not know. You just realize that that same potential you had several years ago is no longer there. That same energy you had years ago is no longer there. You knew how you used to write. For the gospel. That energy is no longer there. You knew how you talked to people about the gospel. You knew how you were always inspired. But it's no longer there. Lukewarmness is a relationship with God. But cheating with him. With the devil. Lukewarmness. You have a relationship with God. But you are cheating on him. With who? With the devil. I put it to you this morning. Your relationship is justified. But you're cheating. A cheater does not know that he's cheating. Because why? It looks like the game is sweet. You don't know. Somebody posted something on social media. I literally had to send the post to my wife. and I, 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 could, I didn't want to send it to church. So that people would not say that pastor is justifying a whole lot of things. Uh, a lot of things have changed about the modernity of Christianity, and I'm not going to dampen into that. But if you're really, really a Bible scholar, you really want to study the Bible and all of that stuff, you, you would know what the Bible, you would really know the concept of God about marriage and when it comes to a man. Uh, I'm not going to say some things in church, and some people say, ah, Pastor, I said it, so let me go have two wives. No. But what is this person trying to say? This person said, He said it's very easy for a man to cheat and yet still be committed in his marriage. And it's just the truth. Because something tells you about that marriage that the woman is not living. But if you don't enjoy this girl while this girl is still approaching you, you'll miss out. That's the stupid thing about cheating. And every cheater will always want to justify their cheating. 
that you're lukewarm in this faith tells me that you have a relationship with God, but you're cheating on him, the devil. And can I be honest with you? And I'm going to use marriage to explain it. A side chick has no business with wrecking your home. But she's fulfilled that that future you are supposed to have in that home is with her. She will never come to you and say she wants to take the position of your wife in the home. Never. Some will even tell you they don't want to have a child with you. Yes. But that future you are supposed to have in that home, she desires that future. If they check the attendance of the devil, of those that he has captured to himself, you might be shocked that your name is written there with pencil. And the reason being is because you have a relationship with God. But your lukewarmness in this faith gets you to cheat on the devil. So you're bringing the world into the faith. Whereas you're supposed to take the faith to the world. Luke chapter 14. Luke 14 verse 27 to 30. Luke 14. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Luke 14, verse 27 to 30. It says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot do what? Verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't he first sit down, estimate the cost? to see if he has enough money to complete it. I'm reading this scripture for a reason. You see the last part. Verse 29. For if you lay the foundation and you're unable to finish it, everyone will see you and do what? To be ridiculed publicly can easily be addressed. A private ridicule. A private ridicule. Very dangerous. At least if I know there's a person that is trying to bring me down, we can approach it. We can talk. But they are bringing you down behind your back. Why? Because how dare, how dare you claim this faith? And yet you can't find your balance. How dare you claim you're a Christian? And everything you profess around your space is crisis. If you really want to follow me, take me back to 27. 27. If you really want to follow me, see what it says. Carry your cross and follow Carry your cross and follow. That talks about activeness. And I've told you before in this house, activity will never help you grow your faith. Responsibilities helps you.
ever. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Your yes to Christ should never be compromised. Hear me well this morning. Your yes to Christ should never be compromised. Because a complacent Christian is a crippled believer. And a crippled believer is a lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm Christian does not see any wrong in their evils. They don't see any wrong in their deeds. That's how I want to live my Christian life. That's how I want to do my thing. That's how I just want to live my life for Christ. Pastor, how do I know if I'm a crippled believer? Your commitment to Christ is questionable. Your commitment to Christ is what? Is questionable. Your zeal towards fellowship is fading out. Listen, we have a thousand and one excuse to walk out of fellowship, but never is one going to be justified. They hurt you at your place of work. Did you quit? They stepped on you at the marketplace. Did that stop you from buying what you wanted to buy? But it's very easy to walk out of fellowship. Why? Because you think you have a higher anointing than every other person else. Listen and listen good. Anointing is a gift. That you are given is because so much was expected from you. Just one time a prophet in the Bible said to Jesus, he said, oh, with all the kind of anointing you've given to me and all the things I'm passing through, take me out. And let everybody just perish and do their thing. And you know what the Bible said? There are 70,000 prophets waiting. So you tell yourself that nobody has this gift than me. Are you a joke? Are you a joke? They will not run this church if I'm not there. Are you a joke? The only thing that could bring a church down is the gate of hell. And the scripture already says that the gate of hell will not do what? Will not prevail over a church. So who is that stupid human being? Say if I'm not in that team, that team will crash. Let me tell you what takes some people out of church. is the disappointment that they cannot deal with. That's what takes them out. The disappointment that they cannot deal with. So you want an entire body of Christ to come and beg you before you can serve the creator of the universe. The body of Christ. I think the mistake we've made in this time and age is because we call this thing church. That's the mistake. That's the mistake we have. We call it church. It's called the household of faith. So anywhere you find yourself, any household you find yourself, it's supposed to build your faith. So if you're walking out of a place that is supposed to build your faith, it's just a matter of time. Your faith is going to fade out. That's just the havoc that society has brought into this part of the salvation, into the part of this faith. We've branded the names of so many things. So whenever you call it church, you feel like it's a building, it's a vision, it's a name. But 
there's a part of the scripture where people don't fear anymore. Say, touch no my anointed and do my prophet no harm. The people focus on the prophet. What happens to the anointed? Let me tell you something. When you walk out of a fellowship, you are not just hurting. You, are, you, you might think you're hurting the pastor. Uh, or you are trying to show them pepper. Listen. If only you know that there are some people in that fellowship that their faith is hanging on your faith. You stay put. You stay put. Somebody in the nearest future is going to be needing your faith. And when you are nowhere to be found, on the last day you'll be asked. That's why it says carry your cross. Carry your cross. What does it mean to carry your cross? issue you are dealing with, put it aside. Put it aside. You can't carry the cross and you can't follow it. You're not a disciple. How do you know you're a crippled believer? Kingdom sacrifice and giving becomes a burden. It becomes a burden. Lately, you've seen me. I've been talking about eternity. I've been talking about the last day. I've been talking about heaven. Just yesterday, I was, I was just scrolling through Facebook. Been a long time on it. And um, I, I saw a lady, 30, 31, slept and did not wake up. I, you know, the, the funny thing about the story is, I've never met the husband, but is that, uh, he happens to be a friend of mine on Facebook. And he wrote some things about the wife. Some of you might know the person, I don't know. He says she's vibrant in the house of God. Very energetic and full of life. But slept and didn't wake up. Imagine she slept with malice. Imagine she slept with strife in her heart. Can we stop this game of playing church? And remove that word concept in your head. It's not church. It's household of faith. What does it mean by household of faith? Everybody's faith is supposed to come together to add value and to grow the body. You are anointed to edify the body. You are not anointed to profit your body. I, 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 I don't take nonsense. They give it to me, I give it back to them. They are better churches. Faith is faith. What you call better faith is somebody who is responsible for the grooming of his faith. Did you hear me this morning? Kingdom sacrifice and giving becomes a burden. What are you harboring? I've told you before in this house that giving, sacrifice, sacrificial giving and all that, it's not all about money. Sometimes it's about time. Sometimes it's about commitment. Sometimes it's about loyalty. Sometimes it's about sincerity. One thing that is always missing in every church gathering is the truth. I've told you. 
But spirituality without the truth is a waste of time. Because if you keep hearing the truth and you're not free, the issue is not with the truth. The issue is because you chose to remain chained. Am I speaking to you this morning? How do you know you are a crippled believer? You are engulfed with the pleasures of this world. I need to have this. I need to have that. I need to do this. There's a part of the scripture that says time and chance happens to them all. <laughs> How do you know you are a crippled believer? Your prayer life is weak. Your prayer life is weak. I had to put this in my notes as the Spirit of God was, was igniting me to come up with this note. How do you know you are a crippled believer? The only thing that brings you to Christ is crisis. You can't come to Christ with genuity of the heart. You are coming to Christ with crisis. Now, the beauty about Christ is that He will solve your crisis. But it takes your common sense to know that you have to stay. Only crisis bring some people to Christ. Number seven, how do you know you're a crippled believer? The Great Commission is, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a thinkable project for you. You have to think about it. I taught you about the Great Commission two weeks ago. You are thinking about it. Do I really need to win souls? The, reason, the essence of you being saved is so that you can save others. And I've told you several times in this house, it's not until you preach to save others. Your works can save others. Your relationship can save others. Your thoughts can save others. Your investment can save others. Your contribution, your relationship, your friendship can save others. That's why I said, ah, the concept they brought into church has really affected a whole bunch of us. Some of us think that saving others means I have to go outside and be doing evangelism and winning. So, evangelism is not when you share tracts. Evangelism is not when you go on the streets. Your life can be an evangelism. People must see Christ in you. Everything about you must be like Christ. Your words. Your works. It's very easy for men to compromise, but you have to take a stand. You really have to take a stand. I put it to you this morning. Sincerity. Let's stop making this faith sound like a joke. Let's stop making it sound like I made a decision some months back and that decision came from the place of frustration and it came from the place of all manners of analysis and evaluation. And I'm going to say this in church and I'm sure this is some, some of you's disposition and you cannot blame us for this kind of disposition. 
it is because of what her eyes are seeing. I prefer to give jobs to traditionalists than a Christian. Tell you the truth. I'm telling you the honest truth. If you tell me you are a son of an abalist, I will give you that job. But Pastor, that, that's, that's, that's against the faith. The people of the faith, we are there. What makes you a Christian is the truth that you claim to have believed. But you find out that we have many Christians without the truth. It's so bad that even a Christian will tell you, I, I, I swear to God, God sees my heart. Pastor, on Some will remove their slippers, Pastor. They will. Hilary. Oh my God. Gone are the days where you mention the name of Jesus in a shrine, and the shrine will catch fire. Now, try that name in a shrine. It's like you're catching cruise. Because even the shrine will respond back to you. Jesus, I know. Why? Now, the first question to ask that Christian who is in a shrine is, what are you doing there? That's right. Almost every works of life. Christians are taking us joke. It's so bad that people can swear with the Bible. And they know that what they sown upon is not the truth. Now, prophecies are like cheesecake. Everywhere. Gone are the days when they give a prophetic word and you will tremble. Now, prophecy. People are paying to get it. They are paying to get it. I was growing up as a church boy. Anytime they say there's deliverance, the pastor said, everybody close your eyes. The way we close our eyes then is as good as we should not open it until everybody has vanished. Why? Because we're scared of something strange that can come on us. Now in church, Close your eyes for a deliverance session. Somebody is breaking out his phone, wanting to record. There is no fear. There is no fear for the templates of God anymore. James chapter 4 verse 1 to 4. James chapter 1 verse 1 to 4. Somebody say, no more lukewarmness. Somebody shout it loud and clear. Say, no more lukewarmness. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 1 to 4. 
Kenan, James chapter 4. He says, what causes fight and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battles within you? Verse 2. You desire but you do not have. So you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. When you find another minister having negative discussions about another fellow minister, he's coveting what that person has. That is the honest truth. So you come out and you say, yeah, I, ha I have issues with what God does not do, does not exist. Okay, you are coveting what you are saying. And I love the response of that man of God. He said, you to come out with your own slogan. Coveting it. Coveting it. That was what destroyed John the Baptist. After accomplishing his assignment, he wanted to do more. He started teaching. The Holy Spirit had not come. Go and read your Bible if you think I'm joking with you. The Holy Spirit had not descended. John the Baptist saw the, just, he just saw a, the, the glimpse of a dove at the river Jordan. He started teaching his disciples how to speak in tongues. The Spirit has not descended. He was filling his disciples. And when he was caught up, sending his disciples, he said, go and tell my cousin Jesus to come and rescue me. And Jesus looked at him. Oh God, you are a foreigner. But now it's like you want to stand here as Garanto. I fall on prepare the way. Now you want to stay on the way. If John the Baptist successfully got city to impact them with this, there will be no reason for Jesus Christ going to the cross. There will be just no reason. Because the essence of the cross is so that the spirit, the comforter. And John was already doing that. Why? Because, listen, you don't fight for relevance. You take responsibility to be relevant. You don't fight for it. So I want to show that I'm, I'm the one that can pray most in this church. So every single prayer, you want to take it. Every single you want to take it. I want to show that I can get a crowd. So you are doing program every month back to back. You will soon get exhausted. And my, my, my message is just to music ministers because I see that flying all around. I see it flying all around. Somebody went to London for a concert. You two, you are, you are doing everything possible. I must go to London. Why? You, don't, you want to keep up with portfolio. That's what's happening now. Go on social media. You went to London. Next one too. In fact, some have not even received London visa. They're already doing flyer. London tour, September to October. So watch out, September to October, they don't get visa. They are quiet on social media. Very quiet. They'll be quiet. They won't post anything. You know what I'm saying? Dear fans, we tried all our best to make it possible, but uh, just give us time. We're, we're, we're coming back. You've not won your city. You are going to another man's city. Fighting to be relevant. Fighting, fighting, fighting. And he kills. He kills. He kills. So this person did concert at the hotel. You, you want to do your own at the hotel. What if God is still sending you to the streets? What if he's still sending you to the streets? 
so that's the reason why you're quarreling and fighting. That's the reason why you're that's, that's the reason why you're not following yourself. One of the one of the blessings that we should find in this Christian faith that is very missing is support. Christians don't like to support each other. Christians really don't like. And if you find a Christian who goes all out of their way to support you, they want some acknowledgement. And this is my message to you. God could have used anybody. He could have used anybody. So how do I combat my lukewarmness? You have to combat your lukewarmness by taking a stand. And what is that stand? I take you back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. Genesis 1 verse 3 to 4. Genesis 1 verse 3 to 4. Can I have it on the screen? Please. And God said, let's start from verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. I'll show you something. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. Now the heart was formless and empty. I told you a believer can be formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3. And God did what? God did what? God did what? God did what? Let there be what? And there was what? Pastor, how do I combat my lukewarmness? Put your name in that place where God said. Put your name there. So I take the first shot. And Tom Hewitt said, let there be what? And there was what? The first thing to do to combat your lukewarmness, call forth your light. Do you hear what I just said? Call forth your what? Call forth your light. Stop hiding it. Stop hiding it. Verse 4. And God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was what? Confess the goodness of your light to yourself and those around you. That's how to combat your lukewarmness. Confess the goodness of your light to yourself first and to those around you. If you are not convinced, you can't convey others. If you're not convinced, you cannot convey others. Now verse 4, it says, and he separated the light from what? How do you combat your lukewarmness? Separate yourself from anything that does not respond to light. Separate yourself from darkness. That's how you combat your lukewarmness. stay relevant. So you can stay relevant. To be relevant in this faith is possible. It tells how responsible you can be. And I'm appealing to you again as Christians. Let it not be that you have been spat out and you did not know. There is no excuse in this kingdom. There is no what? There is no excuse. 
John was trying to give, John the Baptist was trying to give excuses. His head went for it. His head. Call for the light of God in you to shine. Confess the goodness of his light to your world. Intentionally separate yourself and many others from darkness with the light of God that is in you. So you can combat your lukewarmness. You can combat it and stay on fire for God. Somebody say, I'm on fire for God. Somebody shout, say, I'm on fire for God. You stay on fire for God. Stay relevant. Stay productive. So that you're not caught away. So you're not being caught off. The world is waiting for you and I. Did you hear what I just said? The world is what? Is waiting for you and I. The world is waiting for you and I. I appeal to you as I bring this to a close. Don't wait till your faith is ridiculed. Don't wait till your faith is what? It's ridiculed. Charge up. Charge up. Be serious with it. Be serious with it. Be intentional about it. Be intentional about it. There's a song by Minister G.U.C. that says, I am your own. I am your own. Till the day you will come. Jesus, I am your own. I am your own. I am your own. Till the day you will come. Jesus, I am your Let's be on our feet and sing. I am your own. I am your own. Till the day you will come. Jesus, I am your own. Place your hands on your chest and sing it. I am your own.
We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast, and we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today, and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluwen Podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. Kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you. Thank you.